Look here, Bill. Dorothy tossed her head impatiently. I wish you'd omit the comedy, it really isn't necessary. I'll admit I was in a bad way when you dragged me out of the briny deep, and I appreciate your coming to my rescue. But you needn't expect me to faint or to throw hysterics. That sort of thing went out of fashion long ago. Girls today have just as much nerve as boys. They don't very often get a chance to prove it, that's all. Please accept my humblest apology, mademoiselle. Bill's eyes twinkled though his tone was utterly serious. I can assure you Dorothy's merry laugh rang out her mood had passed as suddenly as it had come. Don't be absurd. Tell me why are you piloting a rum runner? Rum runner? What do you mean? If this isn't a rum runner, why do you carry that machine gun and the rifles and revolvers in the arms rack? Just part of our equipment, that's all. Dorothy's impatience flared up again. Why do you talk such nonsense? Nonsense? Certainly. You don't mean to tell me that you took a boat of this size on long cruises. Bill grinned in the darkness. But you see, he chuckled, this isn't a boat. Well, what is it then? A loaning amphibian. Not exactly the stock model, for Dad and I had quite a few changes made in the cabin and this pilot's cockpit. What? Shrieked Dorothy. An airplane one that can land either on water or on land. That's right. The old crate has the hull of a boat equipped with retractable will landing gear which operates electrically. You're too technical for me, she said frowningly and balanced herself with a hand on the back of the pilot's seat. But if this is an airplane, why keep bouncing along on the water? I'd think you'd fly to land and have done with it. My dear girl began Bill. Don't use that patronizing tone I'm not your dear girl not by a long shot. Bill laughed outright. My error once more. However, Miss Spitfire, when you learn to fly, you'll find out that air currents are very like water currents. When it is blowing as hard as it is now, flying a plane is fully as dangerous as sailing a boat more so, in fact. When the wind reaches a certain velocity, it is impossible to balance your plane. You have to land or crash. Dorothy was beginning to understand. Then you must have taken some awful risks coming out after me. I was lucky, he admitted. But you see, even if we were able to fly in this gale, now, it's quite impossible to take off in such a heavy sea. If I gave the old bus enough gas to get up a flying speed, these combers would batter the hull and I'd never be able to get her onto her step. Someday, when it's fine, and the water's smooth, I'll show you what I meant by that. Now all we can do is to taxi. Taxi, this is the first seagoing taxi I've ever been in. In air parlance, he explained, to taxi is to run a plane along the ground or on the water just now, it isn't all it's cracked up to be. I should think it would be easier than flying. Not on water as rough as this. Your legs go to sleep with the strain you have to put on the rudder pedals. Oh, you re-steering with your feet? Yes. Well, why don't you let me help you?
I'll drive her for a while, offered Dorothy. Bill shook his head. It's terribly hard work, he demurred. What of it? I'm as strong as an ox. Thanks a lot. You're a real sport. But the difficulty is in shifting places with me without swamping the old bus. She isn't equipped with dual controls. There's only one set of pedals, and as soon as I release them she will slew broadside to the waves, the wings will crumple, and she'll simply swamp and go under. And you must taxi either before the wind, or into the wind as we are now, in seas like these. You've guessed it, he nodded. But there must be some way we can manage it, argued Dorothy. You can't keep on much longer. Your legs will give out, and then we'll go under anyway. Bill hesitated a moment. Well, all right, let's try it, but it's no cinch, as you'll find out. That's okay with me. Come on orders, please and let's go. Chapter 3 A Wild Ride Hey, not so fast, laughed Bill. First of all, will you please step into the cabin, and in the second locker on your right you'll find a helmet and a phone set. Bring them out here. This shouting is making us both hoarse, and we'll soon be as deaf as posts from the noise of the motor. Aye aye, skipper, breezed Dorothy, and disappeared aft. In a minute or two she returned with the things he had asked for. Bill showed her how to adjust the receivers of the phone set over the ear flaps of her helmet. Then reaching for the headset at the other end of the connecting line, he put it on and spoke into the mouthpiece which hung on his chest. Much better, isn't it? he asked in a normal tone. It certainly is. I can hear you perfectly, she declared into her transmitter. What next? Come over here and sit on my lap. I'm not trying to get fresh, he added with a grin, as she hesitated. I've had to make a shift like this before with Dad. There is only one way to do it. Dorothy was a sensible girl. She obeyed his order and placed herself on his knees. Now put your feet over mine on the rudder pedals. And remember to turn right, push down on the right pedal, and vice versa. Get the idea? Quite, thanks. Fine. Next grab this stick and keep it as I have it. Now I'm going to pull my feet from under yours ready? Let her go. Bill jerked his feet away, to leave Dorothy's resting on the pedals. Good work, he applauded. The old bus hardly swerved. Keep her as she's pointed now. We can't change her course, much less take off until we hit one of those inlets along the Connecticut shore, and smoother water. Brace yourself now I'm going to slide out of this seat. Dorothy was lifted quickly. Then she dropped back into the pilot's seat to find herself fighting the tenacious pull of heavy seas, straining her leg muscles to keep the plane from floundering. How's it going? Bill's voice came from the floor of the cockpit, where he was busily engaged in pounding circulation back into his numbed legs and feet. Great, thanks. But I will say that this amphibian of yours steers more like a loaded truck in a mud hole than an honest-to-goodness plane. How are your legs? Gradually getting better pretty painful, 
but then I'm used to this sort of thing. Poor boy, she exclaimed sympathetically, then gritted her teeth in the effort to keep their course as a huge comber crashed slightly abeam the nose. Bill grasped the side of her seat for support. You handled that one nicely, he approved when the wave had swept aft. But don't bother about me you've got your own troubles, young lady. I'll be all right in a few minutes. What I can't understand, said Dorothy, after a moment, is why this plane didn't sink when you landed and picked me up. How, did, you keep from slewing broadside and going under? Well, it was like this. When I left you on the beach, I motored back home to New Canaan. The sky was blackening even then. I was sure we were in for the storm, so after putting up the car, I went out to the hay barn in that ten-acre field where we housed the old bus. She needed gas, so I filled the tanks, gave her a good looking over, and went back to the house and telephoned. You mean you phoned the beach club about me? Yes. The steward said you weren't anywhere around the club, and your sloop wasn't in the inlet. It was pretty dark by then, and the wind was blowing a good thirty-five knots. I made up my mind you must be in trouble. Frank ran after me on my way out to the plane he's our chauffeur you know. Yes, I know broken Dorothy he drove you and your father to the movies last night. I saw him. That's right. Frank's a good scout. He wanted to come along with me, but I wouldn't let him. I suppose you thought you'd save his skin, at least? Something like that. A fellow doesn't mind taking responsibility for himself it's a different thing with someone else. Well, before Frank and I ran this plane out of the barn, I rigged the sea anchor, nothing more than a large canvas bucket with a couple of crossed two-by-twos over the top to keep it open, with an extra long mooring line. The sea anchor I brought up here in the cockpit with me. The other end of the line was fastened to a ring bolt in the nose, of course. Well to get through with this yarn I took off alone and flew over to the sound. But wasn't it awful in this wind? It was pretty bad. As soon as I got over water, I switched on the searchlight, but it was a good half hour before the light picked you up. Then I landed. Into the wind or with it, interrupted Dorothy. Getting interested, eh, commented Bill with a smile. Well, just remember this then, never make a downwind landing with a seaplane, in a wind blowing over 18 miles an hour. Why? Because the wind behind your plane will increase the landing speed to the point where you will crash when you strike the water that's a good reason, isn't it? Then you landed into the wind when you came down for me? That's right. And as soon as I struck the water, I shut off the motor, opened one of these windows, and threw over the sea anchor. Then I fished you out with the boat hook. It sounds sort of easy when you tell it, but I'll bet it wasn't. She gazed at him admiringly. You surely took some awful chances. Hey there, called Bill. Pull back the stick, or you'll nose over. That's better, he approved as she obeyed his order. Keep it well back of neutral. Sorry I yelled at you, he grinned. Bill got to his feet. I'm okay now, 
he went on, and you must be pretty well done up. I'm going to take it over. Seating himself on her lap, as she had sat on his, he placed his feet upon hers. A minute later, she had drawn her feet back from the rudder pedals, slipped out from under, and was seated on the floor, rubbing life back into her feet and legs, as Bill had done.